Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Yirmiyahu Perak Yud, Jeremiah chapter 10. Our chapter today, chapter 10, is something of a diatribe, a polemic against idolatry, against Avodazara. And reading the chapter, we will discover um, sort of to and fro, where on the one hand, we're going to see speeches against idolatry. And then on the other hand, statements about just how phenomenal and incredible God is. In his book on Jeremiah, Rav Benny Lau says that um, Jeremiah uses three rhetorical strategies to help purge the land of idolatry. Number one, he talks about against astrology, the use of the stars. Number two, a parody about idolatry. And number three, a prayer. So let's take a look into the actual fabric of the chapter in order to, um, in order to look at this. The first is, is literally the first two verses where Shimur Devar Hashem Ashadibera Hashem Aleichem Beit Yisrael. Listen to the word which God has spoken to the house of Israel. Don't learn the ways of the nations. And don't be astounded or amazed at the signs of the heavens. Because that is what the nations will, will look, at, look, at, look like. So what exactly is, what, what reality is Yirmiyahu relating to here? And there's a big debate in this chapter about what historical period it comes from. Is it from Yirmiyahu's very early period in the reform of Yoshiyahu when they're just trying to get rid of 70 years of idolatry from the kingdom or from a later period? If we may assume that we, we, we're in the earlier period, we're still in the shadow of the period of the Assyrians. And I'll quote from biblical archaeologist William Foxwell Albright, and he says this. It may be noted that no other period of cuneiform records has yielded anything remotely comparable relating to magic and divination than the royal Assyrian letters of the time, which contain numerable references to astrology and magic. It was practically impossible for a small state to keep from being flooded with such idolatrous and superstitious practices which were under royal Assyrian protection. Indeed, um, during 55 years of Menashe and then another two of Ammon and the early years of um, Yoshiahu, for 70 years, 75 years, the country had been awash with astrology. And even though Yoshiahu has managed to get rid of Avodah Zara, it hasn't disappeared. And that's exactly what the chapter is relating to when it talks against these ities of the otot um, the signs of the heavens. We're talking about astrology. And he calls these things derech um, hagoyim. These are um, the chukot ha'amim. These are the nations, the delusions of the nations. And here um, we might quote a interesting midrash from 
Tana Debe Eliyahu Zuta. And the question there is, what happens if you do see signs from the heaven? What happens if you see a, a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse? Rabbi Eliezer Omer, If you see the sun having an eclipse, it's, it's a bad sign for, for the nations of the world because the sun is the symbol of the nations of the world. Whereas if the moon has an eclipse, it is a bad sign for Israel. So they're having a big discussion about, you know, signs of the heavens. Well, when we get to the end of this brighter uh, from Tana de Beili Auzuta, listen to the end. But if Israel is following the will of God, you don't need to worry about any of the signs from the heavens. Why? And now they quote this very verse. Don't even think about the ways of the nations. And don't be afraid of the signs of the heavens. Because that is the non-Jewish practice. Nations will be disturbed by this. Okay? But Israel should not be afraid. In other words, uh, we don't need to place our faith in horoscopes. We don't need to look at the astrology column in the newspaper. If we follow God, then that is all that is necessary. So that's section one of the chapter. Section two is a wonderful uh, mockery of idols, which are, this sounds very, very much like what we studied in Ishayahu chapter 44, where he's going to uh, say, for example, when it comes to actual idols and figurines, ki etzmiyar karatu, you cut down a piece of wood from the forest, you cut it down with an axe, then you decorate it with silver and gold, you use hammers and nails, so that it doesn't fall over, and then he says, um, <laughs> Why are you fearing them? Because There's none like you, God. These, we used to quote these verses in uh, Slichot. Who would not revere you, Hashem? Because amongst all the nations, there is none like you. Um, and later on he says, Vahashem Elohim Emet, Elohim Chaim. God is the truth, God is the is the living God. And God, when he gets angry, the whole world will quake, and none of the uh, nations will be able to even withstand his intensity. Uh, later he says, when God bellows, there's a rumbling of water in the sky. And uh, he's the one who brings the rain. Lightning comes from the from uh, the lightning and the rain. Um, it is God here who is the one who has the real power, as opposed to um, idolatry. Where he says, every goldsmith is put to shame because of the idols they make. 
because their molten images are a deceit. There is no breath in them. Hevel Hamar, they're just nonsense. Masetatuim, they're tricking you. Be'ipukuratam, your vedu. Whenever you need them, they perish. Because who is the real portion of God? It is, of course, Hashem who creates everything. So I, I hope that I've been reading quite a lot, but I hope you can understand that what's really happening here is that here Yirmiyahu is contrasting idols with the true power of God. And he's trying to turn to the people and say, you know, any symbols that you may be worshipping, any figurines that you may be worshipping, really, how can you uh, be worshipping these compared with God Almighty? The most intriguing line in the, in the chapter is uh, verse 11, because verse 11 is written in Aramaic, and it is the only verse in the entire book of Jeremiah which is in Aramaic. I'll just read it to you. This is what you shall say to them. And I'll interject. Who is them? Let the gods who did not make heaven and earth perish from the earth um, and from under these heavens. Let the gods who didn't make heaven and earth perish from the earth and from under these heavens. This is the third line, um, but what's it doing in the middle in Aramaic? And this raises the debate of when this chapter is written, because if you look at Rashi, Rashi says that this line is in Aramaic because it was part of a letter which was sent to the Jews in Babylon. I'll quote Rashi, Igeretu, it is a letter, that when the Jews, the first group of Jews, the 10,000 Jews who were sent to exile 11 years before the Khurban, when they went into exile, they're in contact with Jeremiah. And they ask him, you know, now that we're out of the land, now that we are in exile, are we allowed to worship Avodah Zarah? And that's exactly when he responds to them and says, of course you can't. Thus you should say to them, um, don't worship right, those gods who did not make heaven and earth. Indeed, may they perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Even though you're in exile, uh, you may not worship idolatry. Um, in which case, let's try and summarize what we've said today. There are three segments to this chapter. Of course, interspersed with the statements about idolatry are statements about the majesty of God. But stage number one is saying, don't follow the astrology of the Assyrians. Stage two is mocking the notion of the idols that people serve. And stage three is a letter, possibly, if we follow Rashi, to Jews who've already gone into exile, saying, you might have left the land, you might not be sure you'll come back to the land of Israel but your faith in the God of Israel should still be intact and your doubts about idolatry should still be in full force. That's it for today. See you tomorrow.